Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Some of you may remember today's guest who has appeared on Lifeology Radio twice, Kareth Foster. Kareth is a diversity engagement specialist whose signature programs are impacting lives at academic institutions, organizations, and corporations across America. She is also an eight-time repeat guest lecturer for the Graduate School of Business at Stanford University. Today, Kareth and I talk about diversity and, and inclusivity, as well as a fear that most people have about what they can and cannot say. Welcome to Lifeology. Well, thank you, James. Thank you so much for having me back. What a treat. <laughs> I was telling you the prequel, like you just popped in my mind. I was like, I have to reach out to her. And then today you tell me, because you thought I was connecting with you because of a New York Times piece. So I want to hear more about that because I think it's a really good segue into the topic that we're talking about today. Absolutely. So what they were covering in the New York Times piece was that corporations are now shifting from saying DEI to DEIB, right? So that okay. are they're they're not trading inclusion for belonging, but they're mm -hmm. incorporating belonging into the conversation, which I think mm -hmm. is really incredibly powerful because, yes. you know, when we were chatting earlier, yeah, of course, inclusivity is important, you know, inviting people mm -hmm. to the table, bringing, you know, letting people have a voice. But once you invite them, how do you keep them? Well, you keep yes. them by making them feel, them feel like they belong, like they mm -hmm. actually are part of something, that they're not there to check a box or be, you mm -hmm. know, a, a, a quota. Right. How would you say like, so for individuals for the belonging piece, so would you say that would be more towards any, um, I guess, race differences, et cetera? How would you quantify the belonging piece for who does this apply to rather? Well, it applies to everyone, right? Because mm -hmm. there's a, another aspect of this diversity conversation that I think gets lost sometimes. And that is that we want everybody to be on the diversity train. Right. Mm -hmm. But for so long now, DEI has been done with the focus on the marginalized groups. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's not to say that's not important. Of course yeah. it is. Yeah. But if that's the sole focus and you're excluding the people which you wish to enroll, which mm -hmm. are the straight mm -hmm. white males, then mm -hmm. they don't feel like they belong either. They don't feel like they belong in the conversation. Yet you want them to get all of the concepts and grasp the ideas and 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 you know, figure out how to navigate that space. Yeah. But if they don't feel like they belong in it, 
what enrollment are you going to have? Mm-hmm. You're going to have people thinking, well, this isn't for me. I'm not diverse. Yeah. Right. Well, what, but what then, about the other? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say it's kind of this catch-22 scenario. Yeah, yeah. What about the individuals who are the majority in that group? And mm-hmm. so the belonging of the people coming in, they want to feel belong they, that they do belong. But what about the individuals in the group? How do they allow the people to belong? How do they allow that? Because if there's been so much, um, so much, I don't say backlash, but so much prejudice or so much ostr- being ostracized by this group, mm-hmm. internally group, as a group, then to allow someone else that comes in that may be more of the majority in some ways, how do they allow them to belong, people coming in? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, all, all of this boils down to communication, right? Okay. I mean, okay. I, I love uh, the Fierce Conversations methodology. Um, Susan, oh gosh, I'm blanking on her last name, but the woman <laughs> who, who founded Fierce Conversations, you know, they say the, con- the, the, the conversation is the relationship, right? Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so much of this is about relationships and healthy relationships. And we have more in common than we don't. That's why I created Inversity, yeah. right? Mm-hmm, Which is mm-hmm. my take on doing diversity where we still acknowledge and honor the things that make us different, but we shift the focus to what is it we have in common? How can we be truly inclusive of one another, but most importantly and powerfully, introspective, right? Understanding your own value and worth so you can then see it in someone else. And yeah. so if you can come from that angle, from that perspective, without looking for perfection in someone else, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, by creating an awareness of the unconscious bias that comes up, and it does mm-hmm. for every single for one everyone, of us, right? yeah. that's when you can be really intentional about creating the, the spaces of belonging. And it does. It takes some effort. It takes mm-hmm. some energy. But I don't think it's as scary as it's been made out to be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, like you and I talked about, uh, we had a kind of conversation about stereotyping and racism back actually in, I think it was April of 2020 when COVID just happened and all of the, all the the traumatic events that happened there um, for people of color. And so now I think we're on the other side of it a couple of years later. I usually don't timestamp things, but we're currently June, uh, 2023. Uh, But anyway, with that, there's a lot has changed and a lot has there's been some regression and some evolution. And so it's kind of, we're really in a place where a, a wonderful place when it comes to inclusivity and belonging, but yet on the other side, you know, for certain individuals, there is that, that devolving or de-evolution of the growth, if that makes sense. I'm trying to be very not political here as I say that. Well, we were just talking about this, right? Like how, yeah. what, how can you say things? Yeah, Are sure. you allowed to say things, right? And, um, you know, we are in this very precarious position now where people feel like they really have to watch and monitor their mm-hmm. work. And as someone who's for sure a free speech advocate, having been a stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. a speaker, you know, someone who likes to express myself, um, I, I think that's dangerous territory because what we're doing is we're mm-hmm. stifling people and sure. people with great ideas. And we're not perfect. I mean, I literally wrote a book called You Can Be Perfect or You Can Be Happy. And spoiler <laughs> alert, there's no such thing as perfection, yeah, right? Yeah. Now, you can strive for excellence as we all should. But expecting perfection, not just from ourselves, but from other people, is is always going to end in disappointment. Mm-hmm, so if we mm-hmm. can bring some grace into things, the conversation, and I know that's kind of an old school word and people think it just has, you know, religious, spiritual context. It doesn't. Grace is, grace is kindness on steroids. Mm -hmm. Grace is forgiveness. Grace Mm -hmm. is allowing people to be human and to be fallible and to say, you know what? I, I, 
I've misspoken before. It's okay if you misspeak, but let's find a way to correct it. Let's find a way to talk through it. So we're not mm -hmm. just automatically at each other's throats. We're not automatically demonizing someone for saying something that came off the wrong way. You sure. know, I think sure. intention is certainly important. Um, mm -hmm. So we have to look at that. But if we don't know anyone's intention because we haven't spoken to them about it, how, how do we get yeah. to the bottom of it? Yeah. And it, it, a lot of times it, it's something that, you know, happens. Someone says something, posts something. They sure. knew what they meant. But, you yeah. know, other people are going to interpret it through their lens. And yes. so the idea is giving a space for the follow-up conversation, right? Mm -hmm. If that person needs to explain themselves. For other people to express how it, it, it showed up for them. Mm -hmm. Because that person just may not have known. We don't know yeah. everything about everybody else in every other culture. And certainly yes. we don't know everybody's experience, mm -hmm. right? And that's really what true diversity is. It's mm -hmm. not just about, you know, race or ethnicity or, you know, sexuality and gender. It's about diversity of thought and ideas and experiences and, and personality types, learning yeah. um, types. Like there's so much, it's so juicy and it's so sad that we've relegated it just to this one category, you know, of these, these few things. Yeah. My dad always said, we judge others by their behaviors, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. And I think that's really what you're speaking about is I know my sphere, what I mean, everything that, that, that comes along with being James. And so if I hear you say something, I'm going to judge it based off just the communication, the nonverbals, your words, and I'm going to take it and say, oh, she must have meant this because all my experience is going to, uh, is going to in influence how I see this as well. So I, I really appreciate you saying that as well as the follow-up conversation or allowing a person to giving that person grace. I, I think that is one of the most self-evolved things someone can do is to give someone grace. It is. It is. And and that goes back to awareness, which is what you were just saying your your father said mm -hmm. and what you have. And if we could all up level our, our awareness, right, mm -hmm. then we'd be in a much better situation space to be able to address all of these things. Yeah. yeah. And and it really it, it takes that kind of eye opening that aha that I didn't realize that before type mm -hmm. of. You know, I mean, think about how many things we just don't know, right? Yeah. You, you're probably all <laughs> seen that graph of the circle of the world, yeah. the universe, right? And this is, you know, this is all the things there is to know. And like a dot is how much you know. And there's a sliver of like what you know you don't know. And then everything else is stuff you didn't know you didn't know. And, you know, I, I, I always love to, I actually have a, a course called the 10 E's of Awareness. Okay. And I, I love doing that because... It's an eye opener for people because you know, we think, again, you know, we're just, we're in our own little bubble. We're in our own little world. I had a theater professor say, we are all the stars of our own one person play. Yes, we yes. And we are, we are, we only know our world. But the idea is, you know, when you broaden your awareness, you're understanding the spotlight isn't just on you. You're sharing mm -hmm. the stage with other people too. And it's okay to take the spotlight and put it on someone else. It's okay to see what else what's going on in somebody yeah. else's world. Yes. Right? I remember, I'm, I know I'm talking about my dad so much, but I remember when I was younger, well, I don't know, it was maybe 10 or 11. We were at, the, we would go to the mall. My mom would want to love to shop. And so my dad and I would sit out there and he would say, James, look at this person here. Look at that person. And he would talk about their world for lack of better words, what, what do you think their life is like? What do you think they go through? And so he would just really 
have me think about that. So get out of my little bubble and to look at the person and without judgment, but just to say, oh, you know, wh what do I see? And so in that, it was a really good, and I totally forgot about that. That's, that's, that's great. It's great. My, my, unfortunately, my father passed away, but it's a great memory for me to think about now. But in that, it's, it's such a beautiful thing because I was, I was able to look beyond what it was obvious and just kind of sit there with them and be like, it's really interesting. All their, all their hopes, all their joy, all their love, all their pain is contained within that person. And then they would walk on and I'd look at someone else. And so it was really neat, really great exercise as a little boy for me. I love that. It, people watch it, right? One of my favorite pastimes. I, I used to love the people watching the airport. I still do. And when I worked in, uh, at The View in New York City many, many years ago, at lunch, I would just go sit in Central Park and just people watch. <laughs> And, you know, sometimes you can make up stories, but I think it is a great way to kind of get in tune with yeah. the fact that, you know, we're not the only ones here. And, you know, I think that the rise of social media has been, you know, a, a deterrent for that, mm -hmm. right? Instead of saying, mm -hmm. okay, what's going on behind this, that screen for that other person? Yeah. We, we're just only coming from our place and our screen. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of, we can get into the black hole of, mm -hmm. of vitriol and of yeah. anxiety and hate. And, and it's a little crazy sometimes. And yeah. so I always tell people like the last place you go for active listening is social media. Great place for blueberry, oh. <laughs> you know, pancake recipes, catching up with a high school friend, last place for yeah. a political or yes. any kind of debate where, you know, you're hoping to really have a true conversation and, and, and make a point or hear another one's perspective. That's a really good, good way to say that because when you know what, when you maximize your time and your energy, I always tell people, for example, if I give you a hundred energy points today, how do you spend on each of those points? So at the end of the day, if, if you feel rested and, and um, vibrant and, and just have like, oh, I had a really good day, a fulfilled day. That means you spent your points appropriately. But if at noon you're like, oh my God, and you get involved in something. And then at one o'clock you're like, I just can't do the rest of the day. Well, clearly you've misallocated or misspent those energy points. So I really like to hear how you are able to compartmentalize and say, if I want a blueberry recipe, I'm going to go to social media. If I want a political debate, I'm going to go here. If I want a can of conversation, I'm going to go here. I think that's really important because most people don't do that. We just silo that. So everything is lumped into that silo and that's how we become. And unfortunately with that, that doesn't allow for multiple healthy opinions or just opinions in general, because if it's just one thing, that's all I have. And that's all that's going to, I'm going to think about, you know, for, for a child, you know, if they're told they're stupid all the time, that's all they're going to remember. They're going to think that and think it and think it. And so it's the same type of thing. If we learn something in only one space, unfortunately, that's all we're going to think and we become that. You nailed it, my friend. I mean, you just, you nailed it. That's exactly right. And that's why we do need a variety of outlets for expression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's why we need to be just very cognizant of the messaging that we're yeah. giving one another and that yeah. we're giving ourselves. You know, yeah. you just reminded me of, of the movie Pretty Woman. And I don't know if you remember that movie, but it was one of my yeah. favorites growing up. And there's a, a, a scene where Julia Roberts is in bed with Richard Gere, her, their characters, and they're talking and he's telling her how wonderful she is. You know, she's obviously a from a prostitute, from a, 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 you know, a, a not so good background. And she's like, mm -hmm. you know, you're telling me how wonderful I am, but the bad stuff is easier to believe. And mm. I think that's a default sure. for most of us, Yeah, right? Yeah. The bad stuff is easier to believe, even if it's not just about ourselves, but about other people. Sure. And sure. so 
again, you know, so much of this, and this is where the work comes in and the energy is, how do we defy that default space? How do we look for the positive? How do we see the positive? And I, I see it everywhere. Now I'm wired to, that's just my natural state. Now I'm not saying I don't have bad days and see negative things. Like I, I see it all the time, but I literally have tried to train my brain to look for the positives and to look for mm-hmm. the commonalities and to look for the, mm-hmm. you know, the good in people. Because I do yeah. believe in my heart of hearts, we're, we're more good than, than, than bad or evil. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah. and, but unfortunately, if you turn on the news, what are you going to say? Right? Mm-hmm. They operate from a place of fear. And yes. fear is the root. Fear is the root of all evil, not money. Fear. Fear is the root of all Right? And we're constantly being told, you know, be afraid of people who don't look like you, who don't think like you, who don't vote like mm-hmm. you, who don't mm-hmm. love like you. Yeah. And so if we're operating from that place, like, you know, we're destined to have make everybody the enemy. One, to go, kind of piggyback off what you're saying as far as how we're, it's easier to believe the bad stuff. The, in psychology, what that really boils down to is uh, the way we process information, it's usually... Mm-hmm. We process the negative. So we're always, so through evolution, we uh, were taught to look at our surroundings so we wouldn't be eaten by tigers, you know, caveman, tigers, and each And so the whole aspect of that is we constantly being hypervigilant about our surroundings. So in that, if, if something happens, I am going to look for the danger. So I'm going to quote, look for the bad, if you will. And when you think of a situation or a memory, we all will, if something annoyed us in that memory, we're going to know we're going to remember what the person looked like, what they said, how you felt. I mean, every it's a visceral experience. But conversely, if you think about a happy memory that you have, we just think that kind of in a cursory way, like, oh, that was really nice. Huh, that felt good. And then we move on. And so what I always try and help people do is sit with those happier moments as well and process it the same way you would process a negative memory. So when you think of the memory, use all your internal five senses. So let me look in my mind, what, what was, what did I see around to be in that memory? What did I hear? What did I feel on my skin? What did I smell? And so, um, what did I taste if I ate something? So when you can really sit with that visceral experience, it starts to rewire you. So you can really concentrate on that healthier version and try and de- decouple that focusing so much on the negative. A hundred percent. And, you know, I love how you put it because you obviously are coming from the you know, psychoanalysis side mm-hmm. of things. And I, I, I make a very similar reference with the, the inversity work that I do when I talk mm-hmm. about how we're wired for survival, right? Mm-hmm. And this goes back to the cave people days. You know, is that a warring yeah. tribe over there? Is that a saber-toothed mm-hmm. tiger? Mm-hmm. Is my bloodline going to continue? Am I going to be able to eat and, mm-hmm. you know, feed my family? Like, it's, it's all survival. And back then, and even now, every now and then, it, it feels like, is this a sure. physical threat? But now more than ever, it's, it's, it's an emotional threat. Yes, Am I yes. going to be taken out of my comfort zone? Yes. Because I don't know how to speak to somebody who has an alternative lifestyle from myself. Yes. Yeah, who, you know, voted for the candidate that I can't stand. How mm-hmm. am I going to navigate this space? And again, it's rooted in survival, uh, which is mm-hmm. based on fear. Um, mm-hmm. But if we can understand that, like that's, you know, I'm going to go all G.I. Joe on you. No one is half the battle, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to transition a little bit here. So I've, you've, in the previous shows, you talked about your kids. And so how do you teach your kids inclusivity? Because your kids come from different backgrounds, you know, for, you know your husband and, and you. How do you teach your kids inclusivity um, and allow them to be themselves and appreciate all their background as well as the inclusivity and belonging piece? How does that translate into your own life? 
Sure. Well, I, I feel like, you know, I'm doing my best to raise them the way my parents raised mm-hmm. me. So my children are biracial. My husband's from Australia. So they're, they're biracial, they're bicultural, like, cause <laughs> think, oh, they speak English in Australia, but it is a totally different culture. <laughs> and so, you know, I do have to like, you know, monitor their language a little bit. I'm like, y'all can't, that, that's a curse word here. Okay. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but, you know, the way I was brought up was to be proud of, you know, my, my background, my yeah. family, my heritage. But also that that wasn't all that I was, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much more to me than my skin color. There's so much more to me than my gender. You know, I'm a multifaceted human being with great talents and ability. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what I want my girls to, to really be rooted in. Yeah. And so, you know, we're letting them explore different things from activities to sports and you know, I'm very, very blessed in that we live in a place that is quite diverse. It's not as diverse as New York City. Um, you know, and we go there. We live there sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it's still, you know, we were, my husband just coached one of their basketball teams. And there was a girl from Mexico. There were two Indian girls. There was a girl from Colombia. Um, there was an Asian girl. There was a couple white girls. There was another black girl. Like, it was so wonderful. Yeah, that's great. And it was it was literally like, you know, kind of the Rainbow Coalition. It was like a, a Benetton ad. I'm totally dating myself. <laughs> I actually thought that too. Yeah, colors of Benetton. <laughs> right? Yeah, that was like, yeah, if you were born after 1986, you have no idea what I just said. Um, look it up. That's what Google's for. <laughs> but, that's you know, funny. it's like, and I mean, they were, they were so good together and they loved each other. And, you know, that, the focus wasn't on their ethnicity. The focus yeah. was on, you know, being a team mm-hmm. and learning new skills and getting the ball in the basket, you know? And yeah. it's like, why can't we have that in a work environment too? Like where along the way on the route to adulthood do we lose that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, thinking about that, you know, extroverterly thinking to so processing a lot. I mean, to think about that, where did we lose it? I, I'm wondering if it comes down to as when we're kids, we have all these hopes and dreams and we, we think we can do anything. And then life happens and some people go to university, some people don't. As you know, that doesn't mean intelligence, it just means education. And so people have these different aspects of, of their life. And so life can beat people down over and over again. So I think with that, it becomes back to that survival aspect of it. So I would think the older we get and the more um, life and more that life happens around us, that is going to impact how we see. So our sphere was like, I could do the world, I could do anything in the world. And then as life kept keeps pushing people down. And once again, that's perspective because it doesn't mean it's pushing you down. It just means that's how you perceived it. And so that I think is really where a lot of people, their perception and no judgment at all, because I know I do it at times too, but that perception of life experience now I think really influences how much they can give to another person or how much they really want to give, or do they even care? A hundred percent. So this really goes back again to the book that I wrote. You can be perfect. You can be happy. And, mm-hmm. you know, it debuted on Amazon's bestseller list under personal transformations, which That's I was amazing. so thrilled for because it's not a self-help book, right? It really mm-hmm. is about personal transformation and personal responsibility, which is what I think you were just really kind of talking about is, you know, you're responsible for how you perceive things. You're responsible for how you see things. You're responsible for how you show up in the world. Now, that can either be a very scary thing because it's like, wait, that's a lot on my shoulders yeah. or it can be incredibly empowering. If you realize, wait a second, I get to choose how I feel about stuff. Mm-hmm. I get to choose if I'm going to let somebody ruin my day with their ignorance. 
or their hate mm. or their, you know, dis disassociation. I get to, yeah, you get to choose. <laughs> you do. That is the power of you and yes. own that stuff, yes, you know? And exactly. I think so often we're, we're so readily, we, we readily give it away. We give away our agency. We do mm -hmm. it to medical professionals. You know, I had a friend mm -hmm. that just recently almost died. And this is a very wealthy friend who's very connected, has like top tier doctors who was on a medication that was 40% higher than she should have been taking. And she's telling the doctor, I don't feel good. I don't feel right. Doctors, no, no, you're fine. And that's obviously not all medical doctors. Like I have a yeah, doctor who will sit with me for three hours mm -hmm. and talk to me about what's mm -hmm. going on. Yeah. Right. But it's just, we, we give that agency to, well, somebody else is the expert. So mm -hmm. people know more than I do. Not all the time. Okay. Yeah. Not all the, trust yourself, trust your gut. And I think that's where we have kind of fallen off the rails a little bit. Mm -hmm. That we, we don't we don't believe in ourselves. We don't have that faith. We don't give ourselves enough credit for being conscious of things, for being aware of things. And yeah. I think <clears throat> that certainly plays a role in the diversity space, right? Where there's some things that just they're kind of off right now. Yeah. But yeah. if other people are too afraid to say that, then you know, you don't want to be called out. You don't want to be the outlier. You don't want to get canceled, right? Yeah, you don't. <laughs> for having an alternative. Yeah about something yeah. Yeah. and so it's like so we're kind of at the stalemate again where okay are we going to let the the fringe groups on mm -hmm. both sides which exist who mm -hmm. tend to have the loudest voices yeah. are we going to let them run run the party or are we going to say wait a second this this isn't okay there's something amiss mm -hmm. let's bring it back because this is supposed to be about us figuring out a way to get together and communicate together and yes I have a, you know, I have a free webinar that I did called, um, well, DEI Detox. And I had another one about, you know, when diversity goes in the wrong direction. And, you know, the analogy I make is that people think diversity is a, a, a two-way street. And it's mm -hmm. not. The misnomer is that, again, it's just simply about ethnicity, sexuality, gender, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, it's more. And the other one is the other lane is that if we do diversity well, if it's successful, then at the end, everybody agrees and we're on the same page. Uh, that's fair. That's a good point. That's good the point. antithesis of true diversity. Yeah. Yes. The idea is not to get everybody to agree. The idea is to create a space where if there is disagreement, there's still respect. Yes. If there is, you know, uh, alternate ideas, there's still value of someone else as a, a fellow human being. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. That, that's where unfortunately we have to wrap up with that. But that was really, really well said. I really like how you broke that down because you're right. I mean, even when you started to say that, I know my default when I was younger was to think that, yeah, everybody has to get along. Everyone has to agree. And you're right. It, it's not that. It's just that respect. And so I, I'm really glad that you drove that home. And obviously you teach that as well. But thank you for that. I really appreciate that. I know my viewers and listeners will also really have taken so much um, stock of their own lives as they're hearing you speak as well. So if my viewers and listeners want to find out more information about you, Kareth, and to follow you, to learn all your different programs and everything about you, where will they find this information online? Absolutely. So very, I'm very fortunate. There are very few Kareths in the world. <laughs> my name is K-A-R-I-T-H. Um, and my last name is Foster. So at Kareth Foster or basically all of my handles. My company is Inversity Solutions, I-N-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y. 
solutions with an S.com. So I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, um, Twitter every now and then. No, I, I, and I, I, you know, it's not, it's not too hard to find me. So I, James, I thank you for having me back on. What a wonderful, fruitful, juicy conversation as always. And I adore you. <laughs> I, had a, I had a blast as well. Thank you so much. My viewers and listeners also know that if they can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll have all of Kara Foster's information there. Thank you once again. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.